Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. I am so excited to have you here today with us because we have a friend that I'm about to speak to and share with you, and his story is going to completely blow your mind. Like, you're not going to believe this, but this man used to actually be in the sex industry. Joshua T. Berglund, AKA the world's mayor, is the chairman of the Live Mana Worldwide Foundation, a producer, creative director, actor, and show host. Joshua, what's up, bro? What's, what's going up? on, man? Who is it's Joshua? It's so good to see you, and we're <laughs> finally too. doing this. <laughs> I know, right? But I'm so excited to see your face. And man, you grew your hair, you shaved your face, <laughs> and you went and got married. And I'm so mm -hmm. excited for you. Can you tell our audience, okay, our pink chair audience, which there's female and male, who you are? And you can talk about how we met each other. I When I first started my talk show, uh, it was after hearing T.D. Jakes speak at a church called the Rock Church. I just got I gave my life to the Lord after getting out of jail the sixth time. Thought I was going to be there for five years. Um, immediately coming out of jail, even after losing my home, I had an opportunity to go film at Fox Business to talk about what I did, which was random. And I was so excited because I thought, here it is. I give my life to the Lord and <laughs> everything's happening for me. Well, it didn't work out that way. It all completely fell apart. Anyway, I went and heard T.D. Jake speak, and he said two things that stuck out to me that's forever shaped my life. The blessing is in the breaking, because all, all of a sudden, all of the pain and the trauma and the abuse and all of this just made sense. But the other thing was, focus on what you do have and not what you don't. And that was important, because here it is, I was looking at, well, I had this dream of being a talk show host, but I didn't have any money. I didn't have a camera crew. I didn't have a director. I didn't have any of this stuff. But I did have a phone that had a camera on it, and I had free Wi-Fi in San Diego. So I started doing this show on my phone and treating it like it was a TV show, the same show that I thought that I was going to do on broadcast television. And literally after a month, it got picked up by radio and podcast and all of that stuff. But... One, somebody reached out to me and said, you have to meet this girl. She is like the perfect guest for you. And she sent me, I, I already knew about you, but I didn't have a relationship. But as soon as he sent it, I just reached out, talked to your assistant, and we got you on my show, my original show, Morning Gratitude. Um, and so that's how we met. And we had the most amazing interview because at that time, no one knew about one of the secrets that I, I had, hadn't really shared it about a secret that I was hiding. And that was that I had HIV. I was mm -hmm. terrified of letting people know because, right. well, look, I talked about so much, but I was terrified. Two of the six times I'd been in jail, I'd hid that. And that was for domestic violence. And then and the other part thing that I was hiding was that I had HIV from the public. And the reason why is because I was afraid of backlash. I kept telling God, I'll do it after I'm popular. I'll do it after I make it. Like I have all of this great momentum, but I kid you not. And this, this actually segues into another Annie story that matters a great deal. And that is how I left Morning Gratitude and found gratitude, 
morning gratitude and developed gratitude unfiltered. God had kept chirping in my ear. 98% of the truth isn't the truth. 98% of the truth isn't the truth. And every time I thought I was about to come into success, it would fall apart. Producing movie deals, raising millions of dollars fell through. Everything fell through. And it was, and I, and God really, really started getting louder. 98% of the truth is not the truth. Well, anyway, after all of this heartache, all of these things falling through, and I was just desperate for money, barely able to keep a roof over my head. I was living by blessing and miracles and all of these things that people had helped me with. But I got really frustrated because I was in a very toxic relationship. And look, just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean everything becomes perfect overnight. It's a right. journey. Oh, and yeah. one of the things that I was really struggling with is I was addicted to this relationship. Like it was almost like it was almost worse than my meth addiction. And I couldn't leave it. We would have some good times. I was doing I was, you know, in my Bible every single day, praying devotionals like I was seeking Christ nonstop. But I was in this toxic relationship that it just broke me and I was doing the work. She wasn't. But I was addicted to the relationship. Long story short, I did some emotional intelligence work, became uh, a leader in this group of amazing human beings. And the very last weekend of this three-month course, I got kicked out of the course. I was going to graduate the captain and all kinds of things, but we had this event, that, uh, a fundraiser that I was emceeing. She got drunk and accused me of sleeping with all of the guys and girls that were a part of this group. So we get in a fight at this event. Long story short, because of my history of domestic violence, I get kicked out. It was heartbreaking because for the first time, I had not been accepted by the church. I didn't really have any friends. And this group of people embraced me. I felt love from people for the first time because coincidentally, they were the first people that I was honest with about having HIV and being an abuse. Anyway, after getting kicked out, I was heartbroken and devastated, and I got so mad at God. I hated her, and I went straight back into meth. I went on a meth relapse. It was a, it was a month-long meth relapse. I would go on three- and four-day binges at a time. So this final day, this final towards the end of the month, I was on a four-day bender. And literally in my phone, I'm holding my phone like this. I'm looking at it. I'm on a sex app because that's where I got my free meth. And I'm, I'm literally looking at it, and all of a sudden, God pops out of the corner of my eye and says, this is going to suck, but I'm not done with you yet. I want you to put a spotlight on your shadow world. You don't get the luxury of keeping secrets anymore. You're going to talk about all of it. Every time you sin, every time you mess up, you're going to go on your show and going to talk about it. Oh, and another thing <laughs> You're not going to do morning gratitude anymore because that's too fluffy. You're going to do gratitude unfiltered. He gave me the name for the show. And he said, the whole point is you're going to show people the supernatural power of truth. So you're going to reveal it all. I kid you not. Five days in a row after that, you were the first person to call me. I This is right after going on this month-long binge. You called me out of the blue and what you said at the time didn't fully land but you spoke life into me and you also prayed a prayer of protection over me because i was doing some pretty evil and wicked stuff in this during this relapse 
But what you said to me that day changed the course of my life forever. Not only did it give me peace, but it kept me from giving back in and going back into the meth because having God come to me was one thing. It scared me, but I, I could have been hallucinating. I'd been up for basically a month, but your words rang in my spirit so much that I just stayed in the word and fought and fought and fought to keep that demon, the meth demon, the sex demon, all that away. And four other people came to me that I did not know and spoke life into me, but you started it off. And so Gratitude Unfiltered was born through a meth relapse. And, but you played a massive role in even that. And where Gratitude Unfiltered is today has a lot to do because of you being obedient and picking up the phone and calling me and speaking words to me that I don't think came from you. It had to have been from God I, because you were being very specific. I, I don't, you know, Joshua, I don't even know what I said. I, <laughs> I, but thank you. I, I'm, I'm really like shocked. I had no idea. So you guys, just to remind everybody, remember that what we say to each other matters and when we say it matters, because if we don't listen, if, if, if there's a nudge in your spirit to call one of your friends or to reach out to someone or text someone, you should do it. Mm. Joshua, you're living proof. Like I had no idea. Like, oh my gosh, that's so incredible. So can you kind of tell us the, a little bit of the background? Like even before that, like you literally were on this highway to hell. Like you were like mm. throwing your life away. Like you obviously, you know, trauma and you started using drugs and um, and then selling yourself. And this was way before that incident happened, right? Oh yeah, way before. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I was born into an upper middle-class home. My father was a rock star and toured with Ike and Tina and Jerry Lee Lewis. And, you know, wow. I grew up always hearing stories and then he was a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, my mom was Mrs. America, a successful model. She was, I mean, I was born into the family, the all-American family, going to the country club every day, going to church three times a week, all of that. But at seven years old, woke up one day and my sisters were gone. And I thought it was something that I did. But that was as traumatic as that was for me, the this abandonment feeling. Mm -hmm. That is also when the physical abuse started for my father. And then I was molested by two guys um, in a garage all in the same year. So the trauma I experienced from sexual trauma, physical abuse, and so on, all happened in the same year. And, you know, I was very confused about what happened. I was also scared because I was told if you say anything from the guys that molested me, if you say anything, we're going to beat your, you know, <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. my father, here it is, you know, you, it's amazing when we have parents and like, you need to be honest, you need to be honest. Dad's beating the crap out of my mom and beating the crap out of me. Then I'm told, okay, we don't tell anybody about this. I learned to keep secrets and I learned how to hide. And so with that, and I'm a big personality, but with that came a lot of inner turmoil and then, and just the trauma of what happened developed night terrors. And so now I'm having these night terrors about what happened and being molested. And yet at the mm -hmm. same time, physically not understanding why does this hurt yet feel good, yet it feels so bad, yet <laughs> like I'm haunted by this all the time. So I grew up keeping these secrets full of rage, full of anger. 
And thank God for sports because I could just beat the crap out of people. And that worked every sport except for golf because throwing golf clubs at women and hitting golf balls at people, <laughs> that's not that it's not a good yeah. thing. Yeah. But um so it's it so what after sports ended, well, I should say football ended for me in my uh freshman year in college, I became a cheerleader. Well, cheerleading exposed me to two things lots of sex and drugs combined. I didn't just start off as a drug addict or addicted to sex. I started a chem sex addiction almost immediately because what happened was when I did the first line of cocaine and I did the first ecstasy and I did the first time of meth, first ketamine, all those experiences, my brain immediately took those nightmares and made them fantasies. Then I became obsessed with seeking that out because let's face it. If you can reverse yeah. a nightmare and make it a pretty fantasy, well, it, it's it's hard not to chase. And I felt so good by doing this. But in the process, that addiction for over 20 something years, divorced three times, lost the lost the right to see my twins. I gave them up for adoption. It was the best mm. thing for them. But frankly, I was right. so wrapped up in drugs and sex that I you know, I, I didn't try to fight. I just, cause I right. was like, what's the point? I know I'm going to be a deadbeat dad. I found out I had a three-year-old, you know, and I neglected that relationship up until recently. Um, it was awful. Ended up in jail six times, got yeah, your HIV. Your daughter's beautiful. Your daughter's beautiful. She is pretty. Yeah, she's gorgeous. No, speaking of that addiction really fast, um, I remember the feeling of addiction. And I remember when I first got high with cocaine and even a painkiller, like I felt really good physically. Mm-hmm. But not only that, did you do you relate to this? I felt there was finally hope in my heart. It sounds really weird to say that because I didn't know what hope felt like. Yes. I never experienced it like that before, right? So it made oh, me man. want to do more because that I was feeling so bad before I did the drugs that to have that feeling again, or at least a, 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 a light at the end of my tunnel, of the dark tunnel mm-hmm. I was in was addictive. How do you get mad at an addict when they don't have any hope and they do the drug and all of a sudden there's hope in their heart now and you're like, what? That's why I got addicted. I don't know about your addiction, but that was my one of my drives was to find. Well, it took the, the pain away immediately. Yeah, it took and the hurt also, away. It took the hurt away. Socially, mm-hmm. I never felt I was that kid at parties growing up that hung out with the parents. I didn't feel safe and or even feel normal around people my own age. Like I, I literally at parties, everyone's dancing on the pool tables and having fun in the pool. I'm in the kitchen hanging out with the parents because that's where I felt the most comfort, comfortable. But drugs, well, I, I, I guess it made me feel like I was fitting in. I don't know. But eventually that got away from me. And then it was just immediately into the shadows. It got to the point, Annie, that and I and I, I we talk about this in the Devil Inside Me, which is the a book my wife and I did together. It's my testimony in the most uncensored form you can imagine, um, way more explicit than I'm being here. But we talk about how the um, my double life had a double life because I would go out and cheat. So I'm married or in a relationship, and I would go cheat with a prostitute or a hooker, and or a massage girl or or a, mm-hmm. a, a mistress. I would cheat, do drugs with them, but then I would be so geeked out on coke and meth. Then I would go to the bathhouses. Then I would go to the sex clubs and other things. 
So here it is. I have this double life, but I had a double life that my double life didn't know about. And I was doing this three or four days a week, often. I mean, seeing massage girls sometimes five times a week, like the, all the money that I made, I was spending on sex and drugs because it was the only thing that made me happy. Never mind the fact that I had a wife and kids. Like right. that, this is what brought me, you know, the, the happiness that I was looking for, except it was an impossible dragon to chase because I never could satisfy it. Like this demon that was inside of me, these demons that were inside of me, they only wanted more. And when I didn't give it what it wanted, it made my life, well, hell. And so I would give in to it. But golly, it's just so amazing. Like for all of that to happen, for to overdose six times, to, to, to lose everything multiple times, not just once, but to lose all that. But it still didn't register to me because all I really cared about was getting that fix and, and keeping the demons inside of me happy. And in the process, the the amount of devastation that I caused, the people that I hurt that didn't deserve that, it breaks my heart. Like to this day, I know I can't change it. And I know I can't make people forgive me. And I finally had to accept that a couple of years ago that I can't force forgiveness on people. But what I can do is start living the way that God created me to live so I can create a new ripple effect. Instead of the ripple effect of pain that I caused, now I get to give life to people. Now I get to create a new ripple effect. And in the process, God has restored everything I lost. I am so blessed to have my oldest daughter back in my life. I'm now a grandpa. Praise God for that. I live to see it. Hey, and I've got awesome. two, two of the most special stepdaughters that are to me, they're my own. I love them as if they're my own. And I have this incredible wife that's come into my life that God moved mountains to bring us together. And we are getting to literally live the life I always dreamed about. The very first vision I got, Annie, when I was seven years old after being molested, God showed me exactly what I'm doing today. And it's that's just, that's to me is spectacular. And all it took, all it took was surrendering the crap that I wanted for my life for what he wanted for me, the guy that manufactured and designed my life. Right. Now I'm getting to live the life of my dreams because of that. And all glory to God for that. Without Jesus, yeah, I, it would yeah, never happen. So good. Now, because of that, now what what is the the Mana World World Live Foundation? <laughs> Tell us what you what you and your wife do because it's really important for people to hear this. So it's Live Mana Worldwide Foundation. Oh, I said it Mana right. is, Live. That's okay. What, Everyone does. How do they go to the website? What is it? L I V E M A N A Worldwide.org. So it's okay. live as a verb. So to live powerfully, live supernaturally. The gifts that I, I recognize when God gave me the vision for our foundation seven years ago, we've only had it for a year, but the vision came seven years ago. And he, when he gave it to me, it was all about using the gifts that God gave me to elevate the people we work with. Now, at the time, it didn't make sense. But now what God has positioned us, because I've been so blessed when I was in L.A. working, even that short stay in Vegas when I was there, um, is to learn all things media. So everything from producing to directing to writing to distribution to product placement, like I learned all of these really valuable skills from some of the best minds in media, in filmmaking, in TV, 
And it positioned me and gave me this intellectual property that was like, holy geez, I'm a really dangerous guy. Like I know stuff and I know where we're going with technology in the future of media. Like I've been equipped to see that and to know that. And so I started building the digital Noah's Ark a while ago. And it was just coming together piece to piece, but this digital Noah's Ark is going to be the last line of defense against AI. So that's not what we do. That's just a function of it. We Are believe you gonna that- have your own satellite? Yeah, well, we're not gonna- Come on, it, somebody. Gonna, you, there's some cool things happening, but we are all going to be individual media companies moving forward. And everyone needs to start thinking like a media organization because when you think as a media organization, it's like it's like looking from space down. You right. get to see the whole world laid out and you see all that's possible. So with our foundation, look, we'll help anybody. But my heart is for the, the misfits, the outcast, the people that have been shunned from society, the people that are not welcome into church, but yet they love Jesus. The people that have been that are that are they've been told that they're junkies and they're deadbeats and they're never going to amount to anything. The people that have prison records worse than mine. That's who our hearts for, because I believe those are God's superheroes, because all the bad crap that people have done. I'm living proof of this. Read the devil inside me. Watch the movie. Either way, all of that evil that I did is now being used for good. And that is available for everyone. But we are training and equipping the youth because if we tra train and equip the youth, now all of a sudden they can break the, the cycle of poverty. They can break the cycle of addiction and abuse. You know why? Because when you give them a platform to be able to share their heart and they feel safe and in control of their environment, they're going to tell you the truth. And I want to teach everybody the power of truth because when you tell the truth, guess what? It sets people free. And it's so important in using the media to tell the truth creates a different kind of ripple effect that has a positive effect on the world instead of enslaving and imprisoning people like that's being done by the media we have now. We are using film. We are using books. We are using TV. We are going to use everything that media has to elevate other people and also spread a message of truth. And look, I'm not a Bible banger. I can't even pronounce like for God so loved the world. He gave it. I'm not that guy. I'm not a preacher. I'm going to shock jock evangelist. But the heart, I'm all Jesus. I am all Jesus. But there's a new breed of ministry that's being born and it where you don't need a building. And yeah. this is what we're doing is we are raising up the new ministries. And sometimes it looks a little dirty. And you know what? I try not to curse. But sometimes you may hear a curse word out of them because they're a little bit rough around the edges. But guess what? They're the people that are fighting to save people's lives that were just like them, that were just like me. And what Jesus did for me, he can do for anybody. I mean, my God, look what he did with um, Head from Corn, or was it Fildy from yeah. Corn? I forgot. Brain yeah, farting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look at his life. And, and Fieldy, Brian. yes. Fieldy, too. You know what, Joshua, yeah, yeah. you just... I man, get really dude, happy. I know. And listen, I, I'm going to have to have you come back on because there's so much more to talk about. Let everybody know where we can find you and your wife so we can follow what you're doing and get connected with you. I believe and just go to our website. I mean, we're on social media. Just go to our website, livemonaworldwide.org. That's L-I-V-E. 
M-A-N-A, worldwide.org. And your book, The Devil Inside Me. Is it the Devil the Inside Me is going to be available all over Barnes and Nobles, Amazon okay. uh, tomorrow, I'm, actually. I'm so excited so. for you. Okay, share that. And then you know what? I, I can't wait to read it and, and share it with all my followers and also the people out in TV land. Joshua, thank you so much. God bless you. And dude, you are making the world a better place. And we honor you. And we will talk to thank you, you soon. Okay. Thank you for being a great big sister too. For real. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Hi friends. Let me read you a little story. He who sold me a dream. Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Ecclesiastes 5, 7. The Skyway Lounge in downtown Minneapolis was a happening strip joint. Slick businessmen in fancy suits strolled in for lunch and after work, ties loosened, money rolling. The tips were great, the best in the area. And the dancers lined up to work at this place. I was lucky to be a regular. One Saturday night, I was dancing to Prince's Kiss, giving some special customers a little glimpse of skin, when in walked a man who caught my attention. The bright lights illuminating the catwalk stage couldn't distract me from how gorgeous he was. A cross between a young Billy D. Williams and Denzel Washington, he wore a gray tweed suit and pointy loafers. He walked confidently, light and smooth, his jerry curl pulled back in a sleek ponytail. Yes, that was the introduction to my boyfriend turned pimp, sex trafficker in Las Vegas from Minneapolis. This is my book that I wrote and also on audio in my voice. It's called Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. You can go to hookersforjesus.net and click on the book and order it. You guys, listen, everyone needs to get educated on sex trafficking and how traffickers coerce and use their looks, their romantic intentions and how they groom victims into becoming victims of trafficking eventually and tied into these sex trafficking wings where they cannot escape and actually could lose their life trying. So I'd love you to read my book. Go to hookersforjesus.net and click on it and enjoy and let me know what you think. Give us a rating and comment on Amazon. Thank you. Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here, the peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees? This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. I'm Nikki, I'm the Education Outreach Coordinator. Um, I've seen girls come in here and just broken, just in need of something. And we give them a gift box when they first arrive and then the look on their face, because their traffickers taken everything from them, the look on their face is just amazing and precious. And just watching them grow in Christ throughout their journey here is incredible. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly? or just send us a one-time donation, just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate 
And listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much.